Hello and welcome to That Film Stew. I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. We're the guys from That Film Stew, and this is our year in review 2021. In this annual special episode, we'll look back at the year that was 2021 in film and TV and let you know what our worst and favourite movies of 2021 were. 2021 saw us taking in our entertainment on the small screen more than ever, with even the biggest movies releasing simultaneously in cinemas and streaming services, or bypassing cinemas altogether, but also saw us make a return to the big screen where safe to do so, and with movie studios confident that their product could succeed in a post-pandemic world. We sought out escape with some big blockbuster films like Nobody, Godzilla vs. Kong, Mortal Kombat, Wrath of Man, Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, and Snake Eyes. We were kept entertained by smaller movies such as Boss Level, The Ice Road, Die in a Gunfight, and Jolt. But it was the long-awaited arrivals of F9 and No Time to Die that truly tested whether the world was ready to return to cinemas. There was plenty of sci-fi to keep us going with movies such as Chaos Walking, Stowaway, Infinite and The Tomorrow War. Denise Villeneuve demanded you see June on the biggest screen possible. We were treated to an early screening of Ghostbusters Afterlife and before the year's end, Keanu Reeves returned in The Matrix Resurrections. With all the things still going on in 2021, we needed some laughs and we got them through movies such as Coming to America, Free Guy, Vacation Friends, Queen Pins, and even Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch. We'll admit though, some of those were funnier than others. At least we had ample opportunity to sing with musicals such as In the Heights, Cinderella, and even Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Musicals, I know they're your favorite genre um but maybe you were after something a little more serious nomadland minari judas and the black messiah and the green knight got us thinking and feeling clint eastwood brought us cry macho and we saw where the sopranos began in the many saints of newark but let's admit it we were too busy on our phones to watch ridley scott's the last duel i was not i watched it (laughs) without my phone (laughs) The kids and us big kids were kept occupied and entertained with the loud noises and bright colours of the following movies, Tom and Jerry, the Spongebob movie, Sponge on the Run, the Mitchells versus the Machines, Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway, The Boss Baby, Family Business, Space Jam, A New Legacy, Paw Patrol, The Movie, The Addams Family 2, Ron's Gone Wrong, Clifford, The Big Red Dog, Rumble, and sing to some good some excellent some not so good some horrendously bad <laughs> oh bloody space jam <laughs> oh space jam look at least disney always delivers on the goods raya and the last dragon the live action 101 dalmatians prequel cruella pixar's luca emily blunt and dwayne and the and dwayne the rock johnson's jungle cruise and the last-minute magical musical animation Encanto. It's almost a guarantee that Netflix original movies are not great. But in 2021, Netflix gave us a mixed bag, which included the usual average stuff as well as some gems. Did Thunder Force make you laugh? 
Army of the Dead was the zombie heist movie that came with a quick turnaround sequel, Army of Thieves. We got a trilogy of horror adventures in Fear Street Trilogy. Things got bonkers in Gunpowder Milkshake and the Holy Trinity of Hollywood stars united in Red Notice. But we also got some big surprises with the movie about the man behind Rent in Tick, Tick, Boom, and a hilariously cynical look at the end of the world in Don't Look Up. Each year comes with heaps of horror, and 2021 was no exception. The Saw franchise returned with Spiral. We went back to the world of A Quiet Place in Part 2, and the long-awaited third Conjuring film arrived in The Conjuring. The devil made me do it. Some horror sequels didn't quite deliver on what had come before. The Forever Purge, Escape Room, Tournament of Champions, Don't Breathe 2, Paranormal Activity, Next of Kin, um, and even a new Candyman. There was something surprising and a little bit different in M. Night Shyamalan's old, Malignant and Antlers. Resident Evil was rebooted with Welcome to Raccoon City, but we can all admit we had fun with Halloween Kills. It was a light year for DC films with only the James Gunn director, The Suicide Squad, hitting the big screen. But we were thrilled to finally experience the full vision in the four-hour epic Zack Snyder's Justice League. Oh, they were good times. They were good times. Marvel had a late start in the year, kicking off its slate of movies with Black Widow, which felt like a long-awaited return to the MCU. This was closely followed by Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings and Eternals, whilst Sony Pictures put out Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Capping off Marvel's year was Spider-Man No Way Home, undeniably the biggest and most successful movie of the year. Billion dollars, baby. (laughs) And we sat back at home to end the year on some new Christmas movies, including, but not limited to, 8-Bit Christmas and that dreadful Home Sweet Home Alone. Oh, man, still hurts. 2021 (laughs) was the year questioning the movie, questioning whether the movie industry could survive its theatrical exhibition format. Uh, 2021 proved that people wanted to return to cinemas. It was great to get back to the movies. We've not even started talking about TV. To be honest, there's there's not enough time. Um, but we will <laughs> discuss shortly our favourite TV shows of the year. But look, what, what, I mean, what happened in TV? There was a Friends reunion. There was Squid Game. I don't know. That, that sums it up, doesn't it? You're right. We'll get to it. We'll, we'll get, get to, to it. it. Before all that, as always, we want to take this opportunity to give a shout out to the people who have made this year a success. Neil Wyasinga, he's done the podcast artwork, the logos for that film shoe, Sounds Like Comics, Rewind and Review. We've had the same logos for a few years now, but we always like to give him a shout out. The Dead White Males, no longer together as a band, but they provided the music for our intro. Jay, Nathan, giving those guys a shout out for being guest hosts on Sounds Like Comics. And Rob, your co-host for Rewind and Review. Oh, good kid, that one. Good kid. And I'll thank you as well, Rob. Thanks, Rob. And the (laughs) wives. We've got to thank the wives because without them being very understanding about the time that is needed for us to do this podcast, there would be no podcast. So thank you to the wives. 
Yeah, I feel like in 2021, I felt like my wife was a lot more supportive. I don't know why, but um, yeah, it helps. <laughs> so appreciate it. No, but to, to all those guys <laughs> and to our to our spouses, um, yeah, again, thanks for what you guys contribute and, and what you allow us to do as well. You know who I'm talking to. We should say, as a podcast, this is episode 335 of That Film Stew. We've been doing this for a long time. When did we start? What year was it? 2015? I can't even remember. Yeah. It was the year that Ant Man came out. I remember. I remember that much. So, um, <laughs> so thank you, I guess, for, for, for sticking it out with me. And here is to another year. Did you just thank me? Oh my god! I don't think we've. I did. Yeah. yeah oh, you know, well, I, I did. I, well, yeah. I no, like, it was. Um, I'm obliged then to say thank you, Luke. Ah, uh, uh, you're, you're no, welcome. but but you're I mean, welcome. especially especially after I after I had my kid and I started becoming quite slack with the podcast and what I do. You do handle a lot of uh, the majority of the editing, keeping our social media pages alive and breathing. Um, you, basically, you do a lot more than me. A lot. So yeah, I will. Uh, I think that's enough. Uh, we'll it on the back. Here we go. <laughs> okay. So on with the show. And we'll start with best TV of the year we'll do three each and what we've done previously we alternate just so it's not one person talking for the longest time and as i'm hosting yeah as i'm hosting i'll let you go first oh cool for every every round this is the same for every round i think it's you know this is like the the, it's the the, stretching (laughs) it's the curious thing to do oh thank you as a host ah well done. All right. Um, so yeah, my in, in third place. Look, with TV, it's always a struggle. Because you know what? This year I found I just wasn't watching as much TV. And I know there's an abundance of quality TV out there that I need to catch up on. And I know I said this yeah, for the, uh, the 2020, but it's the same. I'm I'm just terrible with watching TV. There's so many good shows being recommended left, right, and center. I just just no time. So many streaming services, so many bits and pieces. Um, you know, still watching Grey's Anatomy, so that's taken up a lot of time. Um, but you know, <laughs> look, number three, I'm giving it to American Crime Story Impeachment. Um, it's technically the third season in this in this show, but of course, anthology-wise, um, it's it's a standalone pretty much. This season portrays the Clinton Lewinsky scandal and is based on the book A Vast Conspiracy, the real story of the sex scandal that nearly brought down a president by Jeffrey Tubin. Um, we've got an amazing cast here: Sarah Paulson as Linda Tripp, Beanie Fieldston as Monica Lewinsky, Clive Owen as President Bill Clinton himself. Um, we've also got Colin Hanks, Kobe Smulders, Billy Eichner, and a, an abundance of other people. Um, I mean, this was this is top tier um, acting, storytelling, drama, political intrigue, and scandal—all the good, juicy stuff. Um, uh, sort of an era and a, and a, 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 a an eventful drama-filled thing that I missed. You know, obviously being born in 1990 i was too young to to experience this but you know i, I kind of knew about it but i didn't know the details so just watching this was very entertaining very thrilling felt very invasive at times um that's how real it sort of got and i thought they just pulled together an amazing show um for me this was uh every episode that came out it was like let's let's watch it let's find out what happens 
next. Um, did you end up checking this one out? Because I know you said not you were, yet. Oh, no, yeah. I I made a mistake with this because I was going to watch it like you did on binge. But I didn't realize they were going to take it off. So I'm yeah. thinking it's going to turn up somewhere else. Mate, this is Fox, isn't it? So maybe it's going to, well, not Fox, 20th Century Studios TV, whatever. Yeah, or FX. It's going to be on Disney Plus at some point. Okay. So I, I will catch it then. But you made me aware of it because I was planning on watching it and added it to my list. And then the early episodes were disappearing. So now I've, I've missed this show. But I was planning on watching it the first season of American Crime Story on OJ was phenomenal. I thought it was fantastic. I missed the one on Versace, but I was definitely going to watch Impeachment, but I'm going to have to wait on this one. So good. So yeah, that takes my number three spot. Well, my number three, Superman and Lois, season one. The story follows Clark Kent, played by Tyler Hecklin, and famous journalist Lois Lane played by Bitsy Tullock as they deal with all the stress, pressures and complexities that come with being working parents in today's society. I thought this show was excellent. It was great having Superman back on the small screen again in his own series. I've got to be honest, when I was putting my list together, it was number one. (laughs) And I'm like, hang on. Come on now. You really like it. You, yeah, exactly. You really, really, you, you, you like it. But I, I had to have it in my top three. I wanted to mention it. So yeah, I'll, I'll put it in at number three, but it is a show week to week. I enjoyed watching and Hecklin is a great Superman. It's a show that I have a lot of fun with. We're getting season two, I believe on the 13th of January here in Australia. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It is a is a good show. And you kept up with this, didn't you? Yeah, no, this was a this was quite a surprising delight. Like as you know, and uh, listeners probably know as well. Like I'm terrible with like the Arrowverse shows. I'm I'm like more than halfway behind. Like um, I think I'm on like season four of Arrow. Like that's how bad it is. Maybe five. I don't even know anymore. Um, but I thought I'd you know what just skip everything that. They'd come before and then just jump into this show because I was like, you know what? I just want to watch a Superman TV show. Why not? Give me Superman. Um, and this works. This works as, a, you know, obviously it does crossover and stuff, but it works as a standalone. It's a good entry point. Or it works enough as an entry point. Um, and what I love, I love the human element of what they're doing with this Superman character and like him as a parent and what that means and how he balances that and you know the superman duty but this was a this was a well-rounded season of television so good choice yeah it's a lot of fun i mean i did a full review on sounds like comics but essentially what i really like about it is that out there he's superman at home his dad is a husband and we've not had that in live action from Superman before. So after all these years, they've found a new way to see that character. And I think it's great. I did a quick double check. It's January 12th. It airs here in Australia, season two. Very much looking yep. forward to that. But yeah, Superman and Lois, number three. Already looks like a uh, busy January. All right, for my um, for number two, 
I'm going with the great, specifically season two, because we need to keep it 2021 related. But um, I actually watched the first season as well um, in 2021 as well, like coming to it. But um, I don't know I've recommended the show before on our movie show. But if you're unfamiliar, a young Catherine the Great comes to Russia to get married to Peter the Third of Russia, but finds herself embroiled in a world of dogmatic beliefs and customs, which she tries to alter. Um, season two explores the fallout following Catherine's coup to force Peter to abdicate um, and shit just hits the fan. There's plotting. There's there's just it's just crazy crazy times. Um, Elle Fanning as Catherine the Great and Nicholas Holt as Peter the Third of Russia. It's among everything. Not only is this show like historically completely inaccurate but it's it's so much fun it's so funny but it's clever at the same time they're just just the things that that they're doing the performances of all the characters interactions um it's it's filthy it's foul it's funny the three f's (laughs) there we go um i think i know luke you said your wife was a fan of the first season i don't know if she's checked out yeah she's She's not seen the second season yet, but she very much wants to. And I've not seen any of them, but I know how much you've enjoyed it. It's like, I, I think I said it when I first recommended this show. Like, I never thought I was about to break into the Golden Ticket song again. Um, I never thought um, that I would be watching a period piece show and be having so much fun with it. But they've managed to sort of crack that um, enough for me to be like, this is, this is fantastic. Love it. Love it. So, yeah, now I just need to wait for season three. So that should be a year or so away. Yeah, good time. Are they good doing time. a season three? Oh, Is I don't that definitely know. happening? I have no idea. Okay. Let's, sure, sure. <laughs> You'll wait for it regardless. <laughs> I'll wait for it and it will come, surely. <laughs> so my number two is WandaVision. And as recent as a moment ago, I had to double check that it definitely did come out this year <laughs> or the year of 2021 because... It seems like it came out such a long time ago. It's one of five MCU Disney Plus shows we've had, and it absolutely came out in 2021. It is my number two pick, and it was a big deal when it came out. And I've watched it twice, start to finish. I had so much fun watching this show. It's it's great. We've got Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Bettany from the big screen, back as Wonder and Vision, Catherine Hahn, Randall Park, Kat Dennings, Evan Peters, such a good cast, and the connections to the MCU films I really enjoyed. Um, it was a great show. And, it, you know, I've said we've had five now on Disney+. Plus. It's still the best. Easily the best. I had so much fun watching this. I definitely agree. It is the the best of the MCU um, Disney Plus shows. Um, and yeah, for all the reasons said, you know, like the like great cast, like what they were doing with like you know like the the, the television tropes going through the different decades. Just it was creative. It was something they were doing something different and what a way to kickstart their their tv sort of mcu adventures like it was such a good way to start the disney plus journey 
here with, with the MCU. And I remember this each week was was like it was a conversation. Oh my god, like speculation, theorizing, what's going on? So many questions. Um, but just having a good time as we went. Um, and that's yeah, but it, why, but again, he yeah. just it seems like it came out so long ago. It does. Like, it does. It seems like it was the year before, but no, it was Not definitely, definitely 2021. Yeah, it was it's been a weird year. It's been a weird year for Marvel. And I mean, I've I think as as I've spoken about each of the live action um, MCU shows on Disney Plus, it's like we peaked. We peaked with WandaVision. And for me anyway, it's sort of been a bit of a downhill thing since. But um no, this show was not just so good. But um, for me, it was the best show of the year. It is my number one pick. Um, oh right! Well, wow. so there we go. But I was okay. Wow! <laughs> but I was I was just going to say that you mentioned the TV tropes already. It just felt it, it was genius, wasn't it? So we'd had MCU on the big screen, and it wasn't just putting it on the small screen. They were using TV to do it. Yeah, so the tropes and the different settings, having a start off in a black and white episode and. Yeah, it's a great show, and wow, it's your number one. There you go. It was, yeah. Well, it was cool. It was cool to because people were like, "Okay, we're getting we're getting these Marvel shows on on TV now. Like, what does this mean?" And then we introduced this show, and it's like, "What is this? Like, is it a sitcom? Is it real? Is it fiction? Is it a show within the MCU? Like, what is happening?" And then I just remember like big. As an experience, just like what was it, episode four, where the screen changes, we're in widescreen, we're outside of Westview, right? And we're yeah. like, like, oh, this is like the movies. <laughs> this is, and then it's like, and then each episode from then it was like, oh man, like we're seeing, we're seeing like, like the, the like the hulk snap you know like everyone's coming back and it's chaos and yeah what a what a fun just a fun experience was had they were good days i remember the first episode like we ordered pizza (laughs) like it was there's this marvel show let's sit down watch it and then 20 minutes later we were like what the hell did we just watch that was hilarious but i have no idea what's going on yeah, so um, good. I, and, yeah, I and like such, you, such a good time with it. Like you went back and watched it again, but you know, like before we discussed it on, um, just, yeah, discussed it on sounds like comics, like pretty much binged it in one morning, like because the episodes aren't that long. There's a, you know there's a few episodes, but they're pretty short. And if you're not watching the you know the, the previously on bits and you're not sitting through the credits, it zips through pretty far. You pretty much do it in like four hours. It's not bad. Or three? I don't know. It, it felt short when I rewatched yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I watched it weekly for the first time, and then for the podcast, I watched it in two parts. But it, yeah, it was it was a quick watch. It, it's a great show, and it's like, wow, is this what Marvel is going to be like on Disney Plus? And you know, highs and lows. <laughs> I know across the board, I've had a better time with the shows than you have. But before Wonder Vision, you know, Marvel. We'd had other shows, whether it's Legion, which was and wasn't connected to X-Men, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Inhumans, but then WandaVision, okay, so this is Marvel on TV done right. So, yeah, okay, wow, it's very, yeah, number one for you. Well, my number one, I also watched on Disney+, 
And it is only murders in the building. Oh, I thought you were going to say Muddy Ducks. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't enjoy that, but I did fall behind. Now, only murders in the building, starring Steve Martin, Martin Short, Selena Gomez, week to week. I loved every minute of this show. And for the longest time, you weren't watching it. And I couldn't believe that you weren't watching it. But this show is so good. If you're unfamiliar, three strangers share an obsession with true crime and suddenly find themselves wrapped up in one when a grisly murder occurs inside their exclusive Upper West Side apartment building. The trio suspects murder and employs their precise knowledge of true crime to investigate the truth. And it is excellent. It is so good. Like before I started watching it, I was on board. Steve Martin, Martin Short together, weekly TV show. And it just got better and better and better with each episode. We are getting a second season. But this show, like I was thinking, you know, what's going to be number one? And, you know, we talk about it on the podcast. We like superheroes. <laughs> this is not that. But I loved it. Absolutely loved every minute of All the Murders in the Building. Have you started? I, I remember when you when you recommended this and I'd said to you, I'd watched the first episode and it didn't do much for me. So I didn't go back to it. However, when you recommended it, I was like, I will, I should go back. I haven't yet. Again, it's on the back burner. I should do it. This is more motivation. This is your number one. And I know you do like the crime, like the crime stuff. But I also do love, you know, Steve Martin and yeah. And, you know, like, and with that, it is a comedy. It's a comedy, course, drama, yeah. crime, mystery, and I, all of that. So just, I will yeah. get back into it. Your number one show, better than one. I don't throw it around lightly. I love it. I love the show. I mean, I was so close to putting Ted Lasso in my top three as well. I am genuinely surprised that because I know you've high praise for that that show, and that's another one. I do Lasso that I'm. It's 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 there. I've got to I've got to check it out. It's waiting for me. With Um, that though, if I'm honest, like season one is a lot better. Season two is really good. So I remember last year when we did our year in review, I came to Ted Lasso late. And if I'd watched it in time, absolutely would have made my list. But it didn't quite cut it this time based on season two. But there we go. Yeah. So looking forward, what is, we'll do again, we'll continue to alternate. So most anticipated TV show of 2022, we'll just do top two. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you know, you'd think with the abundance of like MCU shows and stuff, I'd be all on board. But the way the trajectory it's been going, I've got, I'll be honest, I've got no motivation at this point in time. It might come around the next time we get a, you know, our next MCU show. Maybe that'll be one of them. But instead, you know what? The Star Wars shows on Disney Plus have um, so far been pretty good. Mandalorian, the two seasons we got pretty solid and um you know we're just at the first episode of boba the book of boba fett looks promising wasn't amazing but look promising um but look you know obi-wan kenobi or whatever or whatever the show's called the obi-wan series um bring me more star wars on tv and bring me ewan mcgregor back as obi-wan like i am all for it i'm i'm curious and interested to see what they do with this and um 
I got to admit, when I'm watching Mandalorian or even when I watched that first episode of Boba Fett, I was like, do you know what I want? I just want to see some lightsaber action. Just give me some light. And it's like, this will be the answer to that. Give me Jedis doing Jedi things. Hopefully, Obi-Wan does whip it out and does things with it. With the book of Boba Fett, it was a slow episode, yeah, but I did enjoy that first episode. It was answering questions I never asked, but it was fine. Yeah, no, That's me too. A, me too. You it's know, a whole thing. Yeah. and it is <laughs> it, it is odd seeing an older rotund Boba Fett, but it's okay. We're just gonna go with it. It's fine. It's it fine. is. It is. We'll okay. see how we go. We we'll see how we go. My my number two is. Obi-Wan Kenobi, there you go. Oh, Same as you. Right, Same as is. you. There's a couple on this list that I've chopped and changed as I've gone throughout the day or the last couple of days. And at one time it was Star Trek, the new, uh, was it Strange Days or Strange New World? Oh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, the Pike Show. Sure. I took it out and I replaced it with this. So there we go. Well, look, you've, been, you've this- been loving the Star Trek the Star Trek TV shows. So. I have. Whether no, it's Discovery, Lower Decks, Picard, the new cartoon, Prodigy, all of it. Yeah, I'm enjoying the Star Trek. But I thought, but what do I really want to see? Ah, what's down? And the prequels. <laughs> people can shit on the prequels. But you know what? You McGregor. Oh, the best Obi-Wan Kenobi. Best thing. Uh, Kenobi. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi. You can't fault him. He was always good. And he's also bringing back Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker. And we're also getting the return of Joel Edgerton. He was the uncle, wasn't he? Uncle Owen. That's him. Yeah, That's go. him. <laughs> okay, so we've got joint number two. Let's see if we can match our number one. What have you got? Uh, I'd be surprised if this was your number one, but um, I'm giving this to... I'm looking forward to The Last of Us. Now, this, oh, yeah, is, no. this is based on... <laughs> okay, good. This is based on the <laughs> video game, of course, of the same name. The series will follow Joel, a smuggler tasked with escorting the teenage Ellie across a post-apocalyptic United States. Uh, we've got Pedro Pascal as Joel, and this... I'm not familiar with this girl, but Apparently she was in Game of Thrones and people like her. Bella Ramsey, she looks good for the role. She looks like she fits. Um, Bella Ramsey as Ellie. Um, look, this, this, I'm not a huge gamer. You know that. Our listeners probably know that. I'm not a huge gamer, but, you know, occasionally I'll pick up a video game and I'll play it and I'll enjoy it. The Last of Us, I've got to say, is one of the best goddamn video games I've ever played in my life. Not just gameplay and, you know, like killing zombies and throwing Molotov cocktails at, at fools, but just in terms of, storytelling the the cinematic theatrical feel of that game and you know most of the second game as well it's so good if there was ever anything that was going to be whether it turned into a film or a tv show the last of us works as it so i'm i'm expecting some big stuff i look forward to it hbo it's gonna have the dollar the dollars behind it I'm pumped. Like, bring it on, and it should be hopefully ten times better than The Walking Dead. I'm still watching that, by the way. But you know, like, <laughs> oh, I stopped this, years ago. Some high quality zombie action. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. I mean, until you said zombies, I had no idea. I, I don't even know what. I know The Last of Us is a video game. I know a lot of people love it. I know it's going to be a show on HBO. 
I didn't know until you just said the zombies in it. That's the first for me. I'm very what, unfamiliar. What console? I'll check do you, it out. What console do you have? Just said I have a Switch. That's it. I don't, don't play have, it. You don't have a PlayStation. I'm not a gamer. You have a PlayStation. I have a PlayStation Three that doesn't work. I'm not a gamer. Oh, that's rough. When I when it worked, it was my Blu-ray player. <laughs> I was going to say now, you, can, you can get The I Last of Us on PS3. Blu-ray player. So yeah, nah. Yeah. I'll just watch the show. I'll watch the show. Well, hopefully it's a good show and you get to experience the last of it. My number one, Peacemaker. Oh, there you go. There we go. There you go. John Cena stars as the title character reprising his role from the Suicide Squad. A man fights for peace at any cost, no matter how many people he has to kill to get it. Yeah, I'm, I'm into it. I enjoyed the Suicide Squad. This is a show written by James Gunn. He wrote all eight episodes of the series while completing work on the Suicide Squad film during the COVID-19 pandemic. And that was before HBO Max officially ordered it to series. So he just wrote it anyway. Fortunately for him, HBO Max have made it into a show. But regardless, he wrote the scripts. Yeah. I I, I gotta say, if... If you would have asked me before I'd watched that um, the Suicide Squad film, I would have been like, oh, a show about this character, John Cena, like nothing about it seems remotely appealing. But after watching the movie, after experiencing all that John Cena was as, as Peacemaker, yeah, man, I'm down. I'm down for it. Obviously, it's not in my top two, but I'm down. And it's not far away, is it? It's... Is it this month? Is it January? January, just like Ooh. Superman Lois here in Australia. We get on binge. It just looks fun. And, you know, whether he's playing a DC character or not, I like John Cena. Action, comedy, it can do it. And with this character, he's doing both. Yeah, it's 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 cool because it's like, you know, we've already seen the proof that he can be this character and do this character well. So, yeah, now we're just going to get, you know, some funny adventures, hopefully, with them. Yeah. And it's interesting as well, actually. We've talked about WandaVision already, which was the first proper time that the MCU had crossed over I guess this TV was... and film. <laughs> Again, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it was Peacemaker, what it was. Peacemaker will be, will be DC's WandaVision. WandaVision. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, though, it Peace is the first time that they've took the step of having a character established on film in TV, sharing a continuity. So That's there you right. go, Peacemaker. You've got to, you've got to wait, carry that load. <laughs> okay, so now on to best movie poster of 2021. And once again, I'll let you go first. You know, I always struggle with this one unless there was one that stood out to me throughout the year. And I was like, you know, that's a that's a cool, fun, interesting one. And I always try and look for, like, am I looking for something clever in terms of the marketing or... Is it more like, hey, that poster just looks cool? Now, I'm going to admit, I haven't watched this movie, but I feel like I, I don't now need to because of this poster. This is the poster for Prisoners of the Ghostland. Now, this ah, is Nick Cage. Nick Cage. This is a movie directed yeah. by, I think it's Sion or Sion Sono. Uh, I'm unfamiliar with him, but um, Nicolas Cage plays a character called Hero. Now, this poster, it, it's essentially, I'll give you a bit of the, uh, I guess, the 
the plot, I guess, about the movie. Um, it's set in the treacherous frontier city of Samurai Town, just to paint the picture a little bit there. Um, a ruthless bank robber gets sprung from jail by a wealthy warlord whose adopted granddaughter has gone missing. He offers the prisoner his freedom in exchange for retrieving the runaway. Strapped into a leather suit that will self-destruct in five days, the bandit sets off on a journey to find the young woman and his own path to redemption. Now, this poster... It's got like, it's just the way. Now, this is obviously a terrible thing to be doing on an audio format. But this poster, we've got like this red background. There's like these flower leaf things, almost like a very Japanese type sort of wallpaper print. But then we've got this lone character standing on his backs to us, standing on this pile of, it's like, there's this giant samurai head there's other smaller samurai characters almost looks like a pile of like dead bodies um there's like a watch clock thing thrown in there a few other bits of just like rubble and things but this is the kicker and i've never seen this before you know normally like on a post it'll be like some reviewer some magazine some internet outlet saying you know a, a quote from their review this is a quote by Nicolas Cage. <laughs> the wildest movie I've ever made. In quotations, oh, wow. <laughs> Nicolas Cage. I've yeah, never seen wow. that before. So I love no. that. And the design yeah, yeah. of the poster, just amazing. Just like it's 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 fun, it's interesting, it's very cool. So I like the design, but it's got Nicolas Cage I mean, a quote. Yeah, yeah. that's like, amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's basically Nick Cage being Nick Cage, trailblazer. I love it. I love <laughs> it. Now, look, the people behind um, behind this poster, they're no strangers to marketing action-heavy titles. Um, they're an LA-based agency called Stockholm Design. They'd previously done, like, key art for franchises like The Hunger Games, John Wick, and The Expendables. So especially those last two, you know, kind of seems in line with what, this bonkers film seems to be, and look, this movie could be rubbish. <laughs> this could be a terrible movie. And look, it sounds pretty ridiculous, but look, uh, yeah, the poster, the synopsis, the marketing's doing its job. I want to watch. I've heard good movie. things, and ah, well, that's a good. Start. I've seen the poster, and, and you know what? That's the job of the poster. Job that's done. the job. <laughs> it's made you want to watch this movie. And as always, after I posted the the podcast, I'll share the posters on social media. For me. I struggled, and I've got to be honest. I struggle most years, and it was question why it's even a category. Why? Let's, let's remove I've... it. Let's remove it, man. Let's not do it next year. <laughs> maybe this, maybe this is the last time because it's an audio medium. Here we are talking about a film poster. That's okay. My my pick, and I've got to be honest, it is the only time this movie is going to be talked about outside of our intro, The Matrix Resurrections. They put a few posters out. The one in particular that I'm talking about. So everybody expected this movie to be mind warping. You know, we're taking a trip back to the Matrix. Well, that's sort of the vibe of this poster. So it's a white poster. Out of focus, you've got Neo and Trinity. And Neo is stopping bullets, which are in focus. So it was used in marketing for both theatrical and streaming release kind of basic there's not as much going on as the poster you picked there's no quote from Keanu Reeves 
but it's one that just stood out as that's kind of interesting. And I saw it before I watched the movie as well. So I'll let you know what that looks pretty cool. And with Neo being out of focus as well, because you know, Neo or Keanu Reeves does look different in this new movie compared to those first three. That's pretty pretty cool. And yeah, it's it's my pick. The poster design was by Bond. They tackle or they seem to tackle a lot of Warner Brothers movies. Which the Matrix is, I just realized. Well, so there you go. As, as as that movie did point out in the movie. Yeah. So this could be the last time that we pick our favorite posters. Let's see, let's see what posters we get in 2022, and we'll review at a at a later date. Okay, so now on to best movie score or theme music from 2021? I'm giving this to, and uh, you know, this movie is, is not in any other category that I've got. Maybe maybe you liked it, maybe you didn't, I don't know. But um, Dune, Hans Zimmer. I mean, I'm all, I'm all for the Zims. I'm all, I'm all for Hans Zimmer's work. Um, and you know what? We, we all know how I felt about this movie. It was, it was all right, but I didn't, I didn't love it. I had some issues with it. It's not a full movie. Anyway, this isn't a review of the movie. The score, though, holy shit, like, can't go past it. What another phenomenal job by Hans Zimmer, um, just doing what he does best and just creating an atmosphere to the point where, like, the music is almost taking over what's on screen. I mean, this, I'll admit, this, this movie had great cinematography, scope, landscape shots, amazing rival that with with this amazing school just like creating this environment this alien world um and also had like this presence of i guess like this uh, this domineering regal family plus any threat that's sort of coming like there's there's so much going on great school just a great school that's all i got <laughs> June doesn't appear anywhere else for me <laughs> for the rest of the podcast either. But honestly, I came back to this score a few times when looking at the category because all the points you just mentioned there, it is a great score. And when we did our review of June, like both of us were able to point out things that were done very well and elements that we liked about the movie. It was just the movie as a whole that left us a bit wanting, but the score was phenomenal. And I've said so many times on the podcast, Hans Zimmer is one of, if not the best composer working today. And I also picked a Hans Zimmer score for my number one, No Time to Die. Ooh, I was worried. I was like, oh, maybe, maybe doing few as well. But okay, cool, cool, cool. From the opening gun barrel turn to the closing credits tune by Louis Armstrong, No Time to Die is a love letter signifying the end of an era. Hans Zimmer goes all out, calling back various soundtracks from most Bond films. I mean, it really plays like a greatest hits. I mean, we're getting original music or original score from Hans also, but he's doing so many callbacks. So admittedly, I did enjoy them. But what he's bringing to it is original music. It's just, it's a fantastic, fantastic score. 
I had such a good time with the movie and the score. And, you know, since borrowing the Bond box set from you, starting with Dr. No, as recent as today, I'm up to The Spy Who Loved Me. So I'm almost there. I just need to get to yeah. Timothy Dalton because I recently <laughs> did Brosnan and Craig, and then you can have it back. But I'm enjoying Bond at the moment. And honestly, I wish that I'd done this full rewatch of Bond before watching No Time to Die because I'm praising the musical cues and everything we get in No Time to Die, but it's after the fact watching old school Bond, Connery, more that I'm hearing the music we're getting No Time to Die. Yeah, no, I've been keeping track of um, which ones you're watching because you keep posting, uh, which which well, pretty much your little spiel of uh, how you feel about each one, which has been kind of cool. Um, but like, yeah, like you're 100% right. Like if you if you watch all of them and then No Time to Die delivers something a little bit extra because there's so much that they're playing on, not just the music, uh, you know, just things that are happening throughout the movie, like different tropes and different little elements and little shots of... Yeah, certain camera angles and stuff like that. But the biggest part is, yeah, like the music, there's so many little callbacks. So yeah, great, great pick. Um, usually I like, I, I can't, I, I avoid praising too much, you know, like when a composer is sort of taking a pre-existing score and then like doing something with it. I feel like it's a bit of a cheat, although it's still good. Not, I, I can never sort of get, oh, you know, best score of the year just because I kind of avoid it. But in this instance, I think you're bang on. What he's what Hans Zimmer's doing with the material, with his uh, blending his original stuff, yeah. integrating it, doing something new. The talent is there, and it's well deserved. So yeah, it's a different thing, isn't it? It's mm. not like you know back when we had you know back in two thousand and six, Superman Returns composer John Lottman. Yes, there's original elements, but for the most part, all you can hear is John Williams. Yeah. Yeah, and look, you know, this is a this is a different thing where yeah. he is not just. I mean, all composers, any Bond film, they're going to use the John Barry Bond thing, all of them. But this film is doing something different. It's taking elements from other Bond films and and integrating it with original music. Ah, oh, loved it. Now on to most overrated movie of twenty twenty one. This is always fun. I always like to see like what kind of angles do we take with this. Um, <laughs> what I've done, what I've done with this one. This is a movie that I just found everyone I spoke to just had a good time. Okay, it's not Spider Man. <laughs> Honestly, I thought that's where you were going. <laughs> no, because I admit, there's got to, there's just something with me with that one. But with this movie that I'm talking about, Godzilla versus Kong. Directed by Adam Wingard. I just found everyone I spoke to enjoyed this movie. They liked it. The reviews online, the box office. This was like one of the first big movies to come out in 2021, back in theaters, and was like just doing good stuff at the cinema, which I'm all for. I'm like, look, fantastic. It made it made some good money. Yes, people want to go back to the movies, even to watch a stupid movie about a monkey and a big dinosaur fighting each other. And you'd think that's my cup of tea. And it is. It <laughs> just was a stupid movie. I just yeah. couldn't. I just couldn't buy it. But look, on a budget of, I don't know, it's estimated between $155 to $200 million. Um, it brought in a box office return of 
467.8 million. Fantastic. Way to go. Rotten Tomatoes has it at 75%. That's 378 reviews, um, averaging 6.4 out of 10. Metacritic, 59 out of 100, based on 57 reviews. So a little bit lower, but still, you know, pretty decent. And Cinema Score gives it an A. I'm like, like what? No, 75%. 75% of audiences like this movie. The population to think. of the planet is, was, is doomed, I think. I was trying to think that I remembered, yeah, no, we did. We reviewed we this. We reviewed this. And we've, we've talked about this movie already. I've got to be honest, so, you know, starting with Godzilla and then Kong Skull Island and then this one, it's the weakest, easily, <laughs> of the three. Yeah, but it's like the most successful. That makes no sense. Overrated, in my eyes, overrated. But look, if, if, if you're one of the people that loved it and watched it, you'd know this. But if you didn't, Kong clashes with Godzilla as humans lure the ape into the hollow earth to retrieve a power source for a secret weapon to stop Godzilla's mysterious rampages. Even the plot sounds stupid. That synopsis. Hollow earth. Yeah. Oh, I remember the floating yeah. King Kong. Oh, that was good. Or when they climbed out of the center yeah. of the earth and ended up in Hong Kong or wherever they were. Yeah, good times. Good times. Well, my number one pick <laughs> scored even higher on Rotten Tomatoes, coming in at 89%. This is a film that I found dark, moody, and utterly boring. It is a film loved by many. It's made many people's top five picks of the year. I watched it with my wife. She really enjoyed it. I just didn't. My number one pick for most overrated movie of 2021 is The Green Knight, directed by David Lowry. Have you seen this? I actually, I have not. I have not. Okay. It's on the, well, list. It's on the list. Here in Australia, Ooh. it's available as a prime original movie, so you can you can I watch can. it. Nothing's stopping me. <laughs> budget of 15 million, you know, modest budget. You know, the director, where he was and what he was doing when he came up with the idea for the film, he was setting up in his garden a diorama of the film Willow. That's where he was. <laughs> that's where he first came oh, up with the idea, and he's like, "Hey, I want to make a film about King Arthur's headstrong nephew," and that's that's what the film is. We've got Dev Patel, Alicia Vikander, Joel Edgerton, Sean Harris. I mean, this film has a good cast, and for the budget, the film looks fantastic. It really does, and it's not quite two and a half hours, but maybe two ten, two fifteen. It is a long movie, and I was just bored by it. I was just bored <laughs> by it. But many people, again, including my wife, really liked this film. And again, 80% of Mountain Tomatoes. So based on my enjoyment or lack of and the percentage, nailed it. Absolutely. <laughs> In my mind, <laughs> an overrated movie. No, that that that's obviously I can't comment. Um, uh, you know, having not seen the movie, so I, I I mean I guess off air I'll come back to you and and tell you once I have watched it if you're if you're wrong or not. Of course, not wrong, but subjective film. Uh, all honestly, kind of like but, you know, it, it was a movie I wanted to watch, and I was driving it. It was even my suggestion on the oh, night that of. That makes it worse, doesn't it? That makes it. Worse. I picked it. It was ah, my pick. But look, at I least wanted the wife, to watch it. 
had a good time and was happy. And that's the important thing. Um, and that's right. Yeah. No, but <laughs> sometimes sometimes these movies, you know, like the ones, and again, I'm just speculating with this, with this film, but there are some movies that, you know, they're so well made and performed and like, you know, you know, there's all good stuff that go, go into it and what the, the craft is really there. But then there's just this one key element that's missing and that's, hey, the filmmakers forgot to entertain. And maybe for you, like, they, they've missed that for you anyway. But um, who knows? I mean, again, you know, enjoyment is all subjective. Of course, yes. And, you know, from what I've read about it after the facts, like the director is absolutely is made the film we tend to make. And for the most part, audiences have really liked it. Just, um, I'll probably I'll just probably watch stop, it and be like that. Was, was, I don't know. I could watch it and be like, yeah, nah, that was that was a drag. Or maybe I'm, I'm, I love it. I'm, maybe I'm, you'll love it. Uh, maybe you'll love it. All right, let's keep it moving. On to most underrated movie of the year. All right, yeah, this one, this one pains me to say, because um, I I thought this movie was delightful. I thought they did a fantastic job. I'm talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife. Directed by Jason Reitman. Um, look, this movie isn't being like panned or anything. People aren't like turning around being like, ah, you know, like it sucks. But I don't know. I just think this deserves all of the love. Um, a modest a budget of 75 million. It's got a modest box office return so far of 178.8 million, um, 62% on Rotten Tomatoes, 45 out of the out of 100 on Metacritic. Um, it did get a cinema score of A-, minus, which is pretty good. I just think it deserves better. I, I don't understand why people are not loving this. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I, I see where you come from. I think if that 2016 reboot hadn't have happened, maybe it would have been a bigger deal for people. But also all the delays and the way they've distributed it. So you're talking about how much... It's earned at the box office. Well, here in Australia, it's only just been released New Year's yes, Day. That's true. That's true. So hopefully we can contribute a few more dollars. But look, to be honest, we're not the biggest market. We're not we're not even a big, no, we're not. We're not even like the fourth biggest market, a big chunk of the thing. It's I mean it's all domestic, US based, US and Canada and stuff, and then hell, like China and all of that in the UK. It's it's all all around thereabouts. Um, but like again, this isn't not like universally bad reviews or anything like that, but I just think, yeah, this movie deserves way more love than it's been yeah. getting. So I just think, yeah, just very underrated, very underrated. I mean, as a lifelong Ghostbusters fan, I agree. Yeah, but, it, but I do think that reboot hurt the momentum. Some people maybe not realising it's connected to those first films or maybe even not caring. It's... Mm. It's a tough one, but hopefully this film does well enough and it makes way for sequels and they do even better. But, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I mean, I've heard nothing bad about this film, to be honest, but you've just listed off the numbers there. Like, it should be performing better. Yeah. And you you mentioned, you know, like 2016 thing, uh, film <laughs> thing. Um, I think, like because of that movie i think that made me love this one more because i'm like all of the things pointing at it saying like they're doing it right they're like they just they just did it right and like all i can do is praise them for it 
I know, but we we know that though. We yeah, know that. But yeah. what I mean is like the just generally, the just general everyday general audience. They may have watched that movie 2016, not had a good time with it. Seeing the new one coming out, well, I didn't like the last one. Who knows? Who knows? Or they love what's that going one. on. Came into this one and been like, oh no, this isn't like that at all. No, I don't want this. <laughs> not as good. <laughs> not, not as good as, good. as the last one. Not well, as funny. Okay, not as funny. There you go. That's um, that's a valid entry. My pick, and it's an interesting one because we included it within the Netflix films as part of our intro. But it's it, it is and it isn't. I'm talking about Gunpowder Milkshake. I really like this film, and here in Australia, I believe in the UK as well, it was theatrical then home release. In the US, which, as you've said, is the bigger market, Netflix. You just watch it at home. And I think it's a film that maybe got missed by many or just dismissed as another Netflix film. I really enjoyed this film. I had such a good time. But I know we did a full review. Looking at Rotten Tomatoes, 58%. Not massively low, but I just think that this is a film that didn't get enough appreciation. People just didn't give it the time of the day and just didn't watch it. They just dismissed it as yet another Netflix film. We've got Karen Gillan, Lena Headey, Michelle Yao, Angela Bassett. I mean, this is a really good film, and hopefully it's the start of more because I'd like to see these characters again. But I've said on the podcast before, I'd like to see Karen Gillan in everything. In everything. I think she's great. Yeah. I think she's great. (laughs) I have many times. But this film, I thought it was really good. But again, having that Netflix branding on it in the US, I don't know. Maybe it's heard it, maybe it hasn't. But the overall percentage, not quite under 50%, but it's close, 58. I, I mean, I acknowledge that your your opinion is valid and uh, <laughs> your entry is valid. I mean, we we did our review, so you know how I feel about this. I mean, this wasn't... I do, wasn't, yeah. This wasn't... A, a terrible movie at all like like again it was it was fine and i enjoyed like the action in the movie was pretty kick-ass and you know there were some cool interesting things i was doing especially like the stuff like in the diner i remember all of that it was pretty nifty and you know like the ladies in this film are like wonderful um you know, wonderful performances and stuff like that it was just sort of i don't know there's just something kind of off about the movie so i kind of like can't argue against the I guess the ratings reviews that it's been getting and the you know the box office returns if there was any I think I don't know um I mean it's hard to say like, isn't yeah. it because it's it box office we're only talking potentially UK Australia yeah like maybe a few other countries international markets yeah so it wouldn't yeah, be but if you're looking regardless. you know uh, anyway so so that's a film I was thinking back on like something that well, I obviously really enjoyed and really liked it and it hasn't I did. Love I... You think that it deserves that qualifies it for this category. So, of course, a fair That's entry. <laughs> fair entry. So, moving on to best kids slash animated slash family movie, we'll yeah. do top two. Yes. All right. This movie that that is in my number two spot. I got to admit, 
it was my number one for the most part of the year. Oh, uh, wow. It was it was up there. This is The Mitchells versus The Machines. Um, this was directed by Mike Rianda. Uh, this film follows the dysfunctional Mitchell family that winds up having to save the planet from a global robot uprising while on a road trip. Um, it stars the voices of Abby Jacobson, Danny McBride, Maya Rudolph, Eric Andre, Olivia Coleman, heaps, heaps of people, heaps of people. Um, what a fun, crazy, out of nowhere. This, uh, from memory, this was straight to Netflix for us, I believe. I think. I can't even it was remember. a Netflix original film, which is getting a wide release, well, this year. It's going to be available to purchase DVD, oh, Blu-ray. You can rent it from iTunes, yeah, wherever. Yeah, all the all the good stuff. All the, but when this came out, like what I just thought, yeah, okay, a new kids. You know, like we enjoy kids movies every now and then. You know, we'll chuck one on, see how we go. Could be rubbish, whatever. Like uh, mental, just mental. So many things happening on the screen all at once. Like didn't know where to look. So animation, they're ticking all the boxes. Good laughs, like just an entertaining. 90 minutes or whatever it was. It was probably a little bit longer than that. Um, just all-rounded, fun, good time. Uh, interesting, fun little characters to go by. It's just, just a glorious, glorious, fun time. <laughs> what can I say? This is a movie that we reviewed, and not too long after, I realised I made a mistake. I rated this too low. I think this film is excellent. I really like this film. I've watched it twice now. I recently watched it uh, again with my kids, my wife, and it's just, it is such a good film, but as a dad with daughters, whew, it's a bit of a tearjerker. <laughs> like, you know, you really yeah. feel for the parent in this movie. I think this film is excellent, and it's why it's my number one. It is my number one. So oh, there you go. You weren't meant to tell oh. us that yet, but I suppose. Well, yeah, no, it's a natural it's, way. No, no, it, it's my my number one. You ruined it. <laughs> you mentioned <laughs> it already. So I'll go back and do my number two, obviously. But no, it's no point hiding it. It is my number one. My number two, another Netflix film, Yesterday. Have you seen oh. this? It's a film starring Jennifer Garner. I, I have not watched it, but I I did see it. Is see it yeah. a G-rated live action film, and it is so much fun. It really, really is. If you're unfamiliar, which it sounds like you are, always feeling like they have to say no to their kids. Allison and Carlos decide to give their three kids a yes day, during which the kids have 24 hours to make. The rules it is so much fun like it is a really fun movie i guess the easy comparison would be yes man with jim carrey only as a kid's film and apparently yesterday is a thing that actually happens in the real world but this is so much fun i watched it with my two young girls and they loved it it is a really good family comedy yeah, yeah, just on that pro I mean, I can imagine the even in the real world the like the, the shenanigans, the antics, the just the craziness that could come about from allowing that to happen. Um 
Oh, yeah, interesting, interesting. Because, I mean, normally when we, you know, we go into this, I mean, the category is, you know, family films, like a G-rated live action family film. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm always pretty myself, sure. I can enjoy we, them. I just never have them usually up there just because they normally aren't. It's just, I mean, I was going to say, typically we, we always pick animation, but family film qualifies. Oh, no, of course. Of even course. though it's live action. But I guess in, with me and my mindset, I'd always lean towards animation when picking this category on other shows. But it's a film that I watched with my young kids and we, we all had a good time. And if adults and kids can both enjoy it, maybe not the same level, but similar level, then there you go. Definitely recommend it. No, big win. Big win. I mean, that, what you're describing there is all the reasons that these movies should I mean, it's a family film. You watch it with your family. You've got the in with the kids. You're having a good time as well as an adult, as a parent, as a grown-ass man. You know, whatever. It's it's all working and it's all good stuff. So, you know what? I'm, I mean, I enjoy Jennifer Garner. I might check it out, see how we go. I'll report back to you. <laughs> okay. So what is... What is your number one? My number one, dethroning, dethroning the Mitchells versus the Machines for its number one spot, a latecomer. Um, and I'm so glad I watched this oh, before. I know what this. it is. You know what it is. <laughs> Disney yeah. has done it. Here we go. Now look, yeah. didn't really they didn't really win me with Raya and the Last Dragon, and um, you know I enjoyed Luca, you know the Pixar outing, but yeah, it was something something quite missing from it. It wasn't quite up there, but Encanto, Encanto, directed by Jared Bush and Byron Howard. Um, this follows the Madrigals. They are an extraordinary family who live hidden in the mountains of Colombia in a charmed place called the Encanto. The magic of the Encanto has blessed every child in the family with a unique gift, every child except Maribel. Um, however, she soon may be the madrigal's last hope when she discovers that the magic surrounding the encanto is now in danger mate this we chucked this on because we were like hey look new disney movie let's get it in it'd be good to have another you know it's a you know one of the big films to watch before i did the year in review with yourself so me and the wife were like let's just watch it as soon as it started i was like you know what um i'm kind of liking the the whole premise that this movie is sort of laying out all the you know the stuff of the family the songs man like they're still stuck in my head like catchy disney songs i'm a big sucker for it um but i gotta say the animation the artwork every shot in this movie is a work of art it's beautiful so many colors so many things happening um again when you it's all even those magical things happening and all these weird wacky stuff like sort of going on when it breaks into like a, a song it does kind of get a little bit more fantastical and there's heaps of you know they're like jumping over rooftops and you know crazy things happening but it's there's it's just so much wonder to it heart funny humorous stuff um but the i guess the one thing that tops it from uh, tops it over uh, beating Mitchell's versus the machine is just even though you know Mitchell's machine had that you know really good like especially like the father daughter sort of relationship stuff 
this has just all this stuff with family and relationships. It would make, you know, Dom Toretto proud. All of the, just all of the stuff with the family. Have you seen this movie? I'm just going to ask, have you seen it? Yeah, well, you, well uh, yeah. I mean, I watched oh, no, it you, at the you cinema. Watched the cinema didn't you? I and went to the movies. On, I took my... Yeah, and two my weeks kids later, to watch it. Disney Plus. Oh, <laughs> mate! It, oh, ridiculous! Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm done with animated Disney films on the big screen. I'm just going to watch them on Disney Plus. Yeah, I couldn't believe it <laughs> when they Hello, announced you? they were fast tracking it to Christmas Eve. <laughs> less than a week after I watched it at the oh, cinema, I, I I thought it was okay to be to be honest. But you know that I don't like musicals. Though. Well, that's it. That's it. And, and honestly, you also a, don't have a heart. I know. I'm, no, I'm just kidding. I'm took just, the I'm kids, done. bought the popcorn, got the lollies, got the drinks, and I sat down there in the cinema and the first song started and I thought, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh. you know, I mean, it's it's fine and they liked it enough. But honestly, like, I felt like I've, I've been burned by Disney, how how fast they I mean, put that it on, would, yes, on streaming. That would, that would be a... a, a Put a disdain in in me. That wouldn't be nice. Seventy bucks. Seventy bucks. You would have dropped. Yeah. Been... Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's. Uh, but it, it's. I think it's fine. I mean, Raya and the Last Dragon. I enjoyed a lot more. Oh. And that's not Pixar, is it? That's just Disney. No, oh, this is Disney just, as well. This, this is yes, not Pixar. This is straight, this oh, is there you go. Right, Disney. Straight. Only Luca yeah. was um was the only Pixar one, which was weird. Well, look, this movie again, like just. Like I say, magical. Like, what other way to sort of explain it? Like, just I just had a, I like was taken away into this magical place. <laughs> like, I don't know. I kind of wish I had put down seventy bucks and gone to the cinema and watched this because, like, it was so good. But, and I know, wish yeah, I. It's funny. Hadn't, so yeah, there well, we there go. You, go. you know, <laughs> you know like, the I mean, trailers. I don't, the trailers honestly, did nothing for me. The poster did nothing for me. Is that a bad film? I think I think it's fine, and it was and it was okay, but yeah, yeah, that's good. It's good. We're not yeah. always we're not always going to agree, oh, that's right. as is evident on this um, on this show. <laughs> so there we go. Well, okay, it. so let's um, let's get negative. Let's talk yeah. worst movies of the year. We'll do a top three. You can go first. Oh, I've been I've been waiting to to see how I would deliver. <laughs> this my i have a list i have a list of all my potential <laughs> i might do i'll wait until maybe we get to number one and i'll do like maybe honorable mentions i think but look, this was hard because what i found is that in in the year of 2021 there was a lot of movies i didn't like, <laughs> like more so than most years i found like there was just so many that movies that just pissed me off annoyed me I just thought we're playing stupid <laughs> or we're just downright offensive. Like, they, I, I don't know. It was it was pretty rough. But look, number three, I thought, let's just go with a straightforward movie that I just thought was rubbish. That just wasn't well made, wasn't good, wasn't entertaining. Die in a gunfight. This this, <laughs> this terrible film yeah. <laughs> directed by directed by Colin Shifley. This is a romantic crime thriller, um, which was written by Andrew Barra and Gabriel Ferrari. It stars Alexandra Daddario. Oh, give me strength. Um, and Diego Benita. It is described as an updated version of William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Basically, a man and his old flame reignite their love affair and cross paths with an assortment of schemers and killers. 
I, don't, I mean, this movie I want to wipe from my I mean, brain. I mean, we, what was this, man? What was we this? We reviewed movie? it. Yeah. <laughs> we actually did a full review. It was, I can't remember what I gave it, but I'm hoping it was a one. <laughs> Not less. I mean, five. did we, I go that low? We disagreed on a couple. I agree with you on this one. <laughs> this is not a good movie. <laughs> yeah, so I thought I'd start us off nice and easy, just a standard movie that was just not good. That's it. That's it. I, it mean, my... I mean, I didn't care enough for my feelings to be hurt after <laughs> watching this, so that's why it's not number two or three, but it just wasn't good. Like, there was nothing. The, the acting was pretty average. <laughs> there was oh, yeah, no. Really it, was, no it, it wasn't. No, it was, actually it was not average. Good the, the story was probably not even there. Like that synopsis is literally it. That's it. It's just people just come and try and kill them. That's that's it. I don't even know what was happening half the time because nothing was happening. Even <sighs> Alexandra Daddario couldn't say this movie, and that's that's saying something. <laughs> I mean, we we talked about it on that review, like how she's not doing. Bigger films, bigger, I don't better know. Things. Like she is better than so many things that she's given. Actually, you know, a noticeable mention TV show, The White Lotus. She was in that, and that, that is a good HBO show. Yeah, she's but she's so much better than a lot of these bloody crappy films that she turns up in. Mm. But my my number three, it would have been higher. The only reason why I put it lower is because I don't think many people would have actually have seen it. It's a horror movie called The Unholy. Yeah, have you was, heard of it? Yeah, that was pretty bad. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, yeah, that was pretty bad. He's man. in there. William Sadler, you know, Death from Bill and Ted. He pops up. Ah, <laughs> oh, this this film looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes, twenty six percent. If you're unfamiliar, Alice, a girl <laughs> with hearing impairment, she's able to hear, speak, and even heal the ill after having visions of the Virgin Mary. But when a Journalist probes into the matter. He unearths a conspiracy, that journalist being Jeffrey D. Morgan's character. You know, this is another one of those cheap horror movies produced by Sam Raimi or executive produced, whatever his association with. They've got Sam Raimi on the, on the cover. Bloody hell. This film was just crap. Yeah, it's pretty bad it was pretty bad total crap so it like, would have been higher but I, 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 I don't think it's too widely known so i thought i'd sneak it in at number three sneak it in. i i just feel like nothing happened in that movie not really nothing of any sort it, of substance or entertainment value it's terrible but you know what full disclosure right i bought this on dvd why what right because it was There's cheaper more. than renting it <laughs> it was cheaper it was from a charity shop oh. and it was still wrapped completely <laughs> unopened, not watched. And I thought, wow, look at that. That's cheap for a dollar. Someone <laughs> Terrible. Like, so not only interested in did I, yeah, but not only did I watch it and not like it, I own it. It's on my shelf. <laughs> I need to, maybe I'll take it back to that same charity shop. <laughs> Who knows? But um, yeah, the unholy. Well, a load of crap. Now on to onto your number two. All right, he's, he, this is where we just get into just movies that just pissed me off. <laughs> so strap <laughs> oh, in. Oh wow, <laughs> just strap in. Number two, starring 
LeBron James and Bugs Bunny. Space wow. Jam, a new legacy. <laughs> Look, I don't know if I rated this. I probably rated this higher than I probably gave this like a two or something. Probably yeah, like you did, yeah. But do you know what? This movie sat with me all year since it came out, um, and the hate for it has <laughs> just grown and festered. Um, directed by Malcolm D. Lee, who I'm sure is a wonderful, talented human being, <laughs> but. I mean, we talked at nauseum about how just ridiculous this movie is. What a what a a self indulgent movie studio product placement cross promotion. Um, just I don't know, just sham of a movie this was. It follows LeBron James um, enlisting the Looney Tunes to aid him in winning a basketball game against the Avatars led by a rogue artificial intelligence played by, um, God, what's his name? Don Cheadle. Um, behind a you know what the problem of- is, don't you? We, we all know this. We do. Because we've all seen it. We do. Not just me and you, the audience. But it's... This it's movie a- did well at the box I office. Know, uh, and it's a problem. Uh, it is a problem. It a web part is, is a we're problem. Sending, we're sending the wrong message. We all know the story. We, we know what the film's about. Right now. <laughs> There's a freaking Warner Brothers themed virtual multiverse. Yeah. Ah, and there's a kid yeah. some, some shit. I don't know. Uh, I, mean, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's it's um, it's Warner Brothers getting meta before the Matrix Resurrections. That's what oh, it I mean, is. There it is. Hey, you said we wouldn't talk about the Matrix again. <laughs> oh, I did, didn't I, when we did our review. Yeah. But, hey, look, <laughs> Zendaya voices Lola Bunny. That's a thing. Like, I mean, like... Space Jam is not like the best movie ever, but you know, like it has a special place in in our hearts, in our in our youthful hearts. Yeah, but yeah, of course. Like the movie, it's, it's, it's our, but like, you know, what? there's a genuine, you know, actual movie still in that film. You know, a current story, soul. There's a soul to that movie. You know, it might still be a pretty average, stupid little movie, but. There's a soul to it. This movie has no soul. It's, 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 I mean, it's just a corporate product cross promoting all the other intellectual property that this studio has. Like Warner Brothers, what the hell? Like all of the, I mean, we said it. Yeah. We said it on our review. Like you've got Looney Tunes. That should be enough. That should be enough. Do a movie about Looney Tunes. But yeah, they bring all the, all the stuff in there and, and I yeah, I didn't even think I didn't even think to put this on my list. I mean, I guess I need to see it again. I've just seen it that one time. I'm going to wait until it's available streaming somewhere. I'll check it out with the kids. But yeah, look, I'm going to admit. I think the reason it's not great. I think the reason I probably gave it like a two or something was, you know, like when they're just playing basketball, and you know, like you've got the the newly animated Looney Tunes character. You know, like all of that visually looks pretty pretty good. Like there's, you know, like there's money was put into this of course because you know when you put money into your marketing it's it's this was an ad for hbo max let's i think i said that on our review i'm saying it now again this was an ad for hbo max because it was warner brothers saying hey look at all the stuff we own look at all those little stupid cameos that we've got in the background on all these rubbish costumes ah so distracting holy shit what a bad movie that's my number two space jam a new legacy my number two <laughs> is a more recent film, Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. 
I've said already on this podcast, not a big gamer, but I, I know what it is. I know of the games. I've played some of the earlier ones and I've seen the Mila Djokovic films. So that's what I know of Resident Evil. But this new film, I just found extremely boring. Even though I've not got the inside knowledge of the video games, it was obvious they were spending so much time on giving nods to elements from the games. And I just didn't get a lot out of this. It was a very rushed film, no real character development. Characters are just saying things, doing things. And yeah, I just, I was very disappointed in this. And um, looking at where it sat on Rotten Tomatoes, currently sitting at 30%. I'm sure, you know, there's games out there that have found things to like about this film. But not me. What about you? Have you seen this? Um, I haven't yet, and obviously that's uh, that. Your, your little review there does not get me excited. But I mean, I mean, for the longest time, we all admit it. Like the the Mila Jovovich movies, they they did something different with Resident Evil, and they they weren't quite the games. Like they didn't really adapt that faithfully so I, I guess like what i'm excited about is seeing i guess a more faithful or at least a better adaption of of the video games and like i've seen like the character lists you know like, like there's jill valentine and um yes everybody's like in Leon there and, and, and Kennedy and stuff so i'm like yeah that I excites me because i'm like okay they're doing names. they're doing the game like they're doing it cool but to hear that obviously it's just a fluff of a movie where it's just nothing you know there's nothing to it it's ah that's disheartening because i was you know a little bit excited for it okay looking film based on the trailers and not to discredit the cast but you're looking at the cast list and it's a lot of tv actors and i know the what there used to be a, a difference between film and tv but still, though, when I'm looking at this cast list, and I'm not saying I dislike these people because I do like them. I'm talking Robbie Amell, Donald Logue, Neil McDonoghue. Oh, yeah. They're, yeah they're, but do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. yeah. So you, just looking at the cast, it's like, oh, okay. So I kind of, this is what they're going for with the level of film. I don't know. I just. Maybe uh, it's one of those. Maybe it could have been better as a TV show. Maybe, maybe, maybe then, but, but the idea with this film is that it's going to kickstart a new series of films, but if that happens, I'm done. <laughs> this film was, <laughs> was enough. I mean, currently the box office is sitting around 32.9 million. I don't have the stats for the, for the budget, but I, I think this could be a one and done for, yeah. for them. Surely it was too expensive to, for its return. Yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens. Oh, look, I'm, I'm still going to check it out. And again, I'll report back and tell you if you're wrong or not. No, nah. <laughs> I'll tell you <laughs> if I agree with uh, you. Yeah. If I'm, you know, if I have a better time, and, you know, it doesn't doesn't look too good anyway. Um, but look, yeah, I just, yeah, <laughs> I just, <laughs> oh, I just don't. I mean, better than the unholy. So I'll learn. Well, <laughs> Credit where credit's due. What's your what's your number one? I'm very curious what your number one is. Um, well, look, like, as I said, before I actually mention my number one, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna list through some of my honorable mentions. And look, maybe one of these is your number one. But look, some of the some of the worst movies this year that didn't quite hit my number one. But I just need to point out how many there were. Paranormal Activity, Nicks of Kin, Don't Breathe Two, The Forever Purge, Spiral. We're not having a good run with horror movies. Um, <laughs> Army of the Dead. I know you liked it. Um, Thunder Force. Although the crab stuff was pretty funny um coming to america so disappointing home sweet home alone oh dear god that <laughs> was almost on my list but you know dying a gunfight there it is but number one number one the movie that to me i couldn't find one positive thing to say oh except for the bit where he screams at that towel um, <laughs> venom let there be carnage <laughs> what a waste of wow oxygen this movie was <laughs> Like, yeah. I mean, look, going coming off that first Venom film, I know I wasn't the biggest fan. So, again, I don't know what I was really expecting, but look, at the end of the day, if all I could see was Venom and Carnage going at it and it was a visual feast to have fun with, I was game. I was like, give that to me. Even that was underwhelming, like, because it was over in, like, two seconds flat. I felt like there was a whole third act missing from the movie because the movie's only 90 minutes long. I'm not saying the length dictates how good a movie is, but when your story structure isn't fit to that, uh, you're missing something. And that is a third act um, or a second act. I don't know. There was something missing. There was a whole act missing. Like I'm not on board with Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock character. It does work for me. All the stuff I didn't like in that first movie was just heightened in this one. I know I'm my own worst enemy, but it is what it is. Uh, I remember, you remember our review. I found nothing to praise in this movie except for that one moment in the post credit scene where Venom screams at the duck-shaped towel or whatever, the <laughs> goose thing. What the hell is that? Oh, yeah, yeah. okay, that was funny. Um, but, but even what the post credit scene set up, and now we know it really... It meant no, oh, really to nothing. Won't yeah. go into details, but it, oh, what a pointless. I mean, it did do something, but it doesn't matter. Like, I just, it's, I don't know. <laughs> it was just, it was just nothing, man. Like, there was, there was, like, the, the Carnage character, this, it was a lot of setup, and then it really wasn't. A big issue. It was just resolved, done in an instant. Okay. That was worth sitting down and watching, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, for me, it was it was the worst movie. It was the worst movie of 2021. Oh, Andy Circus. You know, love the guy, but damn, you dropped the ball there. Uh, we know this movie. Eddie Brock. Alien symbiote, Venom, you know, they must face serial killer Cletus Cassidy, played by Woody Harrelson, after he becomes an offshoot of Venom, Carnage. Venom versus I mean, I Carnage. Had problems. I had problems with it, but wow, I wouldn't have thought it would be your number one worst film of the year. You remember me saying in that review, I found nothing positive to say. <laughs> I remember, I remember you just liking it, but yeah, I mean, I, I can't believe you put it ahead of Home Sweet Home Alone, but, um, but there we go. Yeah. Oh no. Home, I mean, Home Sweet Home Alone. It was on my list, and just yeah. Well, you gave was... it. You, you gave it a notable mention, but at no point have mm. you mentioned my number one <laughs> worst film of the year. And I watched this at the cinema. We reviewed it, and 
I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. But I'm not really a fan of watching films based on young adult novels. And that's what this is. I'm talking about Chaos Walking, directed by Doug Lyman. It is adapted from the novel The Knife of Never Letting Go. It stars Daisy Ridley, Tom Holland, Mads Mikkelsen, so there's some talented people involved there. But oh, I thought this was shit. I really did. And, <laughs> and looking back when we did the review, it is at a time where, you know, we'd not, you know, cinemas had shut down, films have been delayed, and this was one of the first few back, like bigger films that we were doing for the podcast. And I guess I was so excited to get back to the movies, but even our review wasn't overly positive, but time removed. Oh, this, this film, the setup and the visuals and just the character of Tom Hewitt played by Holland. Uh, I, I, yeah, did, didn't like it. Like I generally dislike this film so much right now. And it is absolutely my my number one. If you're unfamiliar, in the not too distant future, Todd Hewitt, played by Holland, discovers Viola, played by Ridley, a mysterious girl who crash lands on his planet where all the women have disappeared and the men are affected by the noise, a force that puts all their thoughts on display. And I hated that. I hated that visual the first time we saw it. Absolutely <laughs> hated it. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. This, I'm, honestly, I'm thinking outside of Spider Man. I don't think I've watched anything with Tom Holland. Oh, I've seen Spies in Disguise, the cartoon with Will Smith. I have to wait and see with Uncharted because I've not had much luck with him. I know he's done films for Apple TV Plus, he's done like Netflix films. Maybe I need to look at more of what he's done, but just based on this film, terrible. Box office, $26.4 million. Wow, that's so low. But of course, that was like that was like peak pandemic. <laughs> so. I mean, it, it was, but Doug Lyman, the director, you know, whether it's mm. The Born Identity, Edge of Tomorrow, this guy has made a lot of good films. This film, not one of them. Do you know what? I remember like, from memory, for me, like, the movie wasn't great. It was not great. Um, probably wasn't, I can't even say good. I don't know. I don't recall me disliking it that much. I think I got I got something out of it. it was, yeah, it was, it was all right. I think I was probably more just excited to be at the cinema again. But I thought it was okay. It wasn't the worst. Um, but no, it sounds like... You've given some good reasons for why you <laughs> I really, honestly, like, mate, you, like it, it was I mean, a no-brainer. When the basic it was a premise, no-brainer. When the basic premise uh, visual that's linked to that premise is something that you're not on board with and then don't like, I mean, that's going to that's gonna hurt. That's going to hurt the movie for you. It's all of course. It makes sense. But look, I, I, yeah. I think I talked about it. It felt like an episode of a TV show. It just, yeah, I, it did not. Do not work for me, but let's turn it around. Best movies of 2021. We'll Ooh. do a top three. Oh, this is yeah, this um, it gets pretty mental because again, first half of the year it was like, oh, I had a clear front runner, and then it took a while for me to get some other 
you know, some other good candidates up there because, as I mentioned, there was a lot of rubbish that I watched in 2021, but we ended on a high note. We ended on a high note. So in third place, um, it, it dropped a couple spots, but still good. I'm giving it to Free Guy, um, directed by Sean Levy. This is Ryan Reynolds as Guy, a bank teller who discovers he's actually a non-player character in a massively multiplayer online video game and has become the hero of the story, trying to save his friends from deletion by the game's creator. Jodie Comer, Joe Keery, Lil Rel, Lil Rel, Howery, hard name to say, um, Utkash and Butka and Taika Watiti also star. Um, I was late to this. You saw this at the movies. You were like, have you seen this yet? You must. And I was like, okay, I will. <laughs> but then I did. And holy shit, fell in love with it. Um, what a fantastic, funny, hilarious, good time. Just everything you want out of a movie just laughs. Um, great little action bits and pieces. Interesting sort of concept. Playing with the whole like video game kind of world idea thing um a video game character come to life it's it was really quite well done really good time um i will not be surprised if this is on your list somewhere it's number three no there we go it is number three and you know what this film was an absolute lock at number three like my one and two changed as i was putting the list together but this film I knew just had to be in my top three. I'd been like saying to you that you should see this film like before you did. And, and it's such a funny film, such a feel good film. And there's so many good qualities. And, I, and I'll stand, I'll stand by this, right? You know, I'll go watch movies on the big screen. And then my wife isn't too big of a fan of going to the movies. So I'll often watch the bigger movies a second time at home. All the movies I watched for a second time at home, this is the one that I enjoyed just as much, if not more, the second time. Yeah. When this landed on Disney+, Plus, it was like, hey, let's watch this again. <laughs> because couldn't wait. Couldn't wait. And all it's the, excellent. All the it's, jokes landed it's got, the it's, second time. Yeah. Like, oh, it's got everything, but not not just it's got the jokes, it's got the heart, you know, all of it, but then it's also got those fun references as well. So that you know, it's got all the qualities that should that you need for repeat viewing. I mean, it's oh yeah. we're gonna get to that bit. I know this is a bit that's gonna happen, and then that bit, it's just and it's it's great. And and I said to you before you watched it, this is the most Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds film. And I thought until seeing Free Guy. It was Deadpool, but this is it. This is the ultimate Ryan Reynolds movie. That, that was the interesting thing going into this because, you know, as much as I love Ryan Reynolds and what he does, you know, you do get to a point where it's sort of like, yeah, you know, is it played out? Have we, you know, once we've seen Ryan Reynolds do his thing, have we seen it? You know, the Ryan Reynolds stick. You know, it is what it is. Eh. And then going into this movie, it's like, it, it's it's him turned up to 11 like it's all ryan reynolds all the time it's full on but it works it's not too much it's not hey i've seen this all before i'm over it it's it's almost like it's brand new somehow like 
Yeah, it's and to be honest, this, he's yeah. probably doing the same thing, but it's just working because what he's doing, he's channeling this character guy, and there's so much heart to the character. He's so lovable, likable. There was that one bit in the mid, in the middle of the movie where I was like, did they just reset this character, this character's memories so or everything? You know, but that wasn't the case. But I was worried for a second. What a roller coaster! So good. You've had that's the key. That's the key component that he's is very likable in the film. You know, the same year we got Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. That's Ryan Reynolds doing his Ryan Reynolds thing, but his character isn't as likable as Guy, so it, it doesn't always succeed. Yeah, same with yeah, like Free Guy. Yeah, like yeah, Red Notice as well. You know, sort of like yeah, you know, there's some entertaining stuff there with him, and you know. A likable character, but then yeah, that, that movie was so much, so many twists, so many twists, crazy, but something different. With this, it was, I don't know, it's just a refreshing. Everything about this movie was just pleasant, enjoyable, delightful, and just to hear Taika Waititi say Albuquerque, Albuquerque, <laughs> Turkey, or whatever he says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, so oh it's great. And, you know, it's I, great. I I know you were familiar with it, but. I'm discovering, I discovered Jodie Coma from this and what's not to love there. Great to see oh, Kiri doing yeah, yeah. something <laughs> other than Stranger Things, which is great. And that Lil Rel, Howry, I'll learn how to say his name soon. Like he, He's hard. It is a hard name to he's say. Coming, he's becoming a thing. <laughs> he's becoming Well, you know, thing. Disney Plus, Free Guy, Vacation Friends. Yeah. They should create a profile picture for him that I can select as my <laughs> <laughs> flagship character for Disney Plus. Yeah. There it is. Okay. So what is what is your number two? Um, I'll tell you in a second. My page just uh, skipped over it. Uh, a bit of technical difficulty. Here we go. Um, this was a late edition, and I'm so glad I got this in because, it yeah, it pushed, it pushed Free Guy back a spot. Um, this is a new film, Netflix. What a cast. What a cast is. Uh, I'll get to it. Don't Look Up, directed by Adam McKay. Um, this is frontlined by Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence. They play two astronomers attempting to warn humanity about an approaching comet that will destroy human civilization. Uh, the comet is an analogy basically for climate change. Um, and the film is a satire of government and media indifference to the climate change crisis. Although watching it now, you know, like this was made before or sort of late during, uh, you know, the COVID pandemic and all that kind of stuff. Watching it now, it's it's hard to sort of not watch this and think more, hey, this is like the real world, how we're responding to, you know, the pandemic. Is it real? Is it not? People are stupid, media is stupid, the government's stupid. It's great. Um, but the cast in this movie, like what a phenomenal um, set of supporting cast we've got here. Rob Morgan, Jonah Hill, Mark Rylance, Tyler Perry, uh, Timothy Chalamet, Ron Perlman, Ariana Grande, she's fun, um, Himish Patel, Kate Blanchett, Meryl Streep, the Streep. <laughs> This is a fantastic movie. I describe it. It's it's hilarious. It's smart. So cynical. It's a little bit depressing. But do you know what? All together, it's, it's peak storytelling. Um, 
it was an experience watching and what a surprise i i'm the first one to be like oh netflix original film holy shit bear in mind this wasn't made for netflix although it's still put out as a netflix original but what just what a journey what a journey this movie was it's quite a long film just uh clocks over the two hour mark but it felt like i think it's almost two and a half hours but it felt it felt just felt like smooth sailing ride and i guess technically a disaster movie you know how i feel about those but good times i need to ask you have you watched this i have yeah oh i watched it on the on the saturday so not too long after it had been released and yeah i agree with what you said there it's both funny and scary because (laughs) the 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 comparisons to what's happening and you're right i mean when they made the film it was looking at climate change but yeah i mean absolutely you can look at it through the lens of covid and yeah it's yeah it's a very well put together film and adam mckay and the cast is incredible and it's being described as a modern day doctor strange love or how i learned to stop worrying and love the bomb like it's been such a long time since we'd had a satire like this and a lot of people online are quick to dismiss it or say that it's shit, but it really isn't. And you've mentioned that the cast is is incredible. I remember when they were first announcing this film and they released a look of Leonardo DiCaprio in the film, a lot of people were like losing their minds saying, he's unrecognisable. He's got a beard and glasses. He still looks like hey, hey. Leonardo DiCaprio. Superman thing again. It's all over. It's oh, no, I know. Well, come on. People are like saying, he's unrecognisable. But Kate Blanchett, I pointed out to my oh, wife, like, had hey, to... that's Kate Blanchett. And she's like, what? But I didn't realise at first. I think she's got, she's doing something. I think she's got false teeth in. There's something she's doing because oh, yeah, they... she doesn't quite look like, like herself. But... But they when you like, oh, or something to, yeah. they're doing something. Yeah. But it, but then you're like, oh, you know, of course it's her. It looks just like her. But there was something <laughs> that throws you off. But yeah, I mean, what a, what a great film. It's also that like I guess that like anchor anchor person sort of over the top personality thing that she's projecting as well. That sort of just create. I mean, acting, acting. <laughs> and she played it so well alongside Tyler Perry. I mean, you know, you could just go on and on like with the with the cast and and the way that it ends, you're like, oh shit. And, and Joda Hill was so <laughs> funny in this. <laughs> and Jennifer Lawrence, like again, we could just go on and on and on. Maybe we should have done a full review. Maybe it's too late now. But you know what? We're, we're <laughs> too, here, we're talking about too it. late now. Crazy. But um, um yeah but it, it's it's good. It is a very, very good film. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think. Is there anything else I need to say about it? Uh, no, I think I'm done. It was, it was just what a delight, what a surprise. Um, holy shit, you've got Netflix. Watch it, watch it. And again, like you said, the a lot of people have been dismissing it. It's not maybe this should have been my most underrated film because yeah, the praise is not great for it. But um, it's not. But I do think it's people, as you said. That's people. People are missing, dismissing it. Yeah. It, they're dismissing it because they feel like this movie's trying to tell them something. And no, and they're not giving what? it a it's, chance. And I get, I mean, it is trying to tell them something like, you know. I like, know, but a satire can, ju- it can just be watched as a film. Like you don't yeah, need, sure. I mean, it's got something to say, 
but whether or not you listen, but if you <laughs> that's think, right. oh, I just, I just, I disagree. So therefore, I'm not going to watch it. It's like, oh, well, okay. Yeah, you're look, just fighting yourself there. Someone can preach at me all day if they make it entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Ah, oh, cool. I'm done. That's it. So my my number two, I would have loved for it to be my number one, but at number two, Ghostbusters Afterlife, directed by Jason Reitman. Wow, it made it. It made it. It did, yeah. I mean, yes, we were fortunate enough to watch it earlier than the official release date here in Australia. Oh, it's a 2021 movie. It's all good. <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, it is. It's when we watched it. It's when it was released world, worldwide. Um, and you've already mentioned it in your underrated category, so there you go. It's absolutely <laughs> eligible to be on the list. When a single mother and her two children move to a new town, they soon discover they have a connection to the original Ghostbusters and the secret legacy their grandfather left behind. The film stars Carrie Coon, Finn Wolfhard, McKenna Grace, Paul Rudd, Logan Kim and Celeste O'Connor, while Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Annie Potts and Sigourney Weaver reprise their roles from the original film. It's a good time and honestly, I... I don't think anxious is the right word, but just I wanted so much to like the film, and clearly I did because it's made number two. But I just maybe it would have been higher if I'd have been able to have had that second viewing. I've still only seen it one time, and it's I guess to watch it a second time, I would be able to just let the film wash over me. Whereas the first time, like I'm watching and trying to notice everything. But I still had a really good time watching it. Obviously, we've done a full review already. But Ghostbusters Afterlife, really good film. A lot of fun. Old school, 80s-style cinema. It's, it's really good. And I'm absolutely looking forward to watching it a second time. But it's coming at a number two for me. I mean, and then completely, completely. I mean, I... I adore this movie. I loved it. It didn't quite make my top list, but I mean, you know, what made it, what made your number one? Um, this comes down to a little movie by I keep losing where I am on my screen. Um, by Edgar Wright, directed by Edgar Wright. Last night in Soho, this movie is goddamn terrifying. No, it's um, oh, mate. No, it's I've not seen it yet. I have oh, not. I really rough, want rough, to. I've not. This could be your number one. Oh. This could have been your number could one. Could be. I was so close to watching it, but didn't make it to the movies. I, I'm just gonna wait to rent this one. Damn. Yeah. Do what, sounds I, like I missed out. I I really knew nothing about this except that it was Edgar Wright, that it starred uh, Thomas and Mackenzie, who you'd know from like old. Um, Jojo Rabbit, things like that. Anya Taylor Joy, we've seen her all all around. Um, Matt Smith's in there as well. Terrence Stamp, you know, uh, Zod. Uh, <laughs> Diana Rigg, <laughs> my God, Jo. He's done other stuff. He's done other stuff. Did you say um, Diana Rigg? Diana Rigg's in it. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> all good stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, but look, I didn't, I didn't know too much except for like the two leading ladies, and you know, obviously directed by Edgar Wright. But I knew I wanted to watch it. Didn't watch any trailers. That was enough to just get me on board. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. Looks good. This movie is about an inspiring 
uh, fashion designer who is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s where she encounters a dazzling wannabe singer. However, the glamour is not all it, uh, as it appears to be as the dreams of the past start to crack and splinter into something far darker. This goddamn movie... Sorry, I might need you to stop there because I knew none of what you just said. Okay, well, just I was trying to go into don't this process it. Don't process it. Just <laughs> glaze over. But look, this—I mean, I've, I've got to—I've got to share this, but I'll—I'll—I'll I'll, I'll teeter around details. The movie, like, it's essentially—it turns into a like a horror film. Like, this gets crazy and creepy. And um, look, there's all the stuff like with the '60s. It's—it's it's majestic. It's glorious. It's beautifully done. Um, the performances from both the girls, Thomas and uh, Mackenzie and Anya Taylor-Joy, them two sort of, I'll just say, bouncing off each other. That's enough. (laughs) Um, Just the two of them, two strong elements just coming together like, uh, I don't know, beans and eggs on a Sunday morning. Like just, um, I don't know, that was the worst thing I've ever said, I think, in my life. Um, <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even get it, but I just know, <laughs> to be honest. But I Sausage definitely want to see this film already and just hearing that it's your number one. Wow. Yeah, no, just, I want to see even more. Just watching it. Like, I mean, remember when I just reeled off a whole bunch of... And look, look to be honest, this isn't actually a horror film, but it just gets scary. It gets creepy, man. It gets into some weird, dark places. Um, but, but, you know, like thoroughly, thoroughly entertaining and just wonderful performances throughout. Um, but, you know, I reeled off a whole bunch of just horrendous horror films that were pretty much in my bottom list of... Uh, it's just, just terrible movies. Just terrible movies of the year. Like, you can do a horror film or at least a film with horror elements with you know something scary something thrilling to this caliber you just make a good movie you don't i I mean i say it like it's the easiest thing in the world but i mean a horror film or something something that'll scare you doesn't need to be garbage or rubbish or just something like if you put effort in like our mate edgar right here has done get a wonderful cast create an amazing story and piece it together with in, in such a beautiful way like each scene is almost crafted like certain shots are, are done like there's like some dance sequences and you know like in you know, like ballrooms and, and things like that and just what the, the tone that he's created everything is just five stars five stars five stars it, it's a successful wow. okay thing i love this movie oh need to watch it i'm worried you know you might watch it and be like man that was that was pretty that was pretty average <laughs> uh, but you know it's so be it if well, i'll get case. back to you and yes. i'll get back to you and tell oh, you yeah. how um how wrong you are great. but yes this we watched this movie <laughs> me and the wife watched this movie and she was like has this dethroned free guy and i was like yes it has <laughs> yes it has and then even when we watched you know like don't look up you know like beck said to me she's like that was pretty damn good i was like yeah it was is it better than last night in soho and i was like not quite (laughs) not quite last night in soho is 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 something else okay absolutely gonna well i was gonna watch it anyway but even more so now now you're gonna watch it available tomorrow (laughs) or whenever you get well yeah no i don't think it is i don't think it is but we talked before 
the the window between cinema rental as even more narrow. I'll um, I'll check it out. What I was going to say, Last Night in Soho is one of two films Edgar Wright released in 2021. The other being The Sparks Brothers, a music documentary that's just recently, 1st of January, been added to Prime Video. So I'm going to be checking that one out. So there you go. You put two films out in one year. Busy man. Busy man. My number one, and I've got to be honest, you're not going to like it. You're going to be bloody angry. I don't care. I'm out. (laughs) Spider-Man, no way home. But I've got to be honest, right? I know that it's there because I I still remember how I felt in the cinema watching it. And you've said to me off air, maybe my experience will be different with a second viewing, whereas I know exactly what's going to happen when it's going to happen. But just based on that first viewing, and I've said to you, first time since Avengers Endgame, watching No Way Home felt like an event. I had such a good time with it. I know you didn't. It's very well documented. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, Calm down. <laughs> it's, um, it's number one. Like, I had such a good time with it. There's another movie that's that's um that's on my mind and i've talked about it already no time to die maybe that'll hold up more than second viewing and but what's done is done i know i'm I'm committing spider-man no way home to the number one spot i'm hoping it still holds up at second third how many viewings but it's my it's my number one and i've been looking at all the other films and i went back and checked films that were released this year i've seen 90 so out of all of those, and the most recent one was old, the M. Night Shyamalan film, finally got around to watching that. You, that almost, you. that was almost on my underrated list. That's 50% of Rotten Tomatoes. There's a lot of negativity around that film. Oh, I liked yeah, it. That's, that'd be a good underrated as well. Yeah, that's because, uh, Dan, that was good. But I, I can completely, mention. I completely get, like, not everyone's cup of tea, old. I, I mean, I get it as well. Like it, it you know, it kind of, yeah. Sounds it, like we both loved I, it though. So. I liked it. <laughs> yeah. We, um, we did. But anyway, back to Spider Man. Yeah, number one. There you go. It was, yeah. I, I loved it. I had such a good time with it. Yeah. What it, I mean, what it sounds like you've, you've, you've done is you've gone for your experience, your enjoyment. You know, your pure, just fun times at the, at the movie. And, that's and, and that's at the it. end of the day. That's the best thing, like to say, like I had the most wonderful, glorious time watching Spider-Man No Way Home. It's my number one movie. And you know what? You're not alone. Like the box office numbers, the the even like the Rotten Tomatoes, the reviews, mate, like people are loving this movie so much, so much. And I get it. It's fun. <laughs> it's exciting, isn't it? It's, yeah, I, I enjoyed it's, it, but it's again, stupid, like, but it's okay. It's all right. I'm cu- <laughs> But again, and that, and that's and that's it. Like nothing. Like thinking about the other films that I'd watched, nothing came close for me feeling the way that I felt. Yeah, watching was, Nowhere Home. So I that's why I, I it mean, is number I, one. I, just, I wish I had those feelings. And look, I enjoyed all the Tom Holland stuff of of that movie. You know, like the the beginning of the movie. <laughs> no, all the all the stuff that he was gripping with and having to experience, and you know the way the movie ended. You know, without giving too many details, the way the movie ended, it's like 
it set up for some good times going forward. There was just things in the movie that I was like, well, it's 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 dumb and doesn't make any sense, but <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I still gave it. A I loved it anyway, loved and you it loved anyway. it. Yeah. And you're not okay, alone. So now, you're alone. <laughs> no, I don't. Now on to. Like, you just want to keep talking about Spider-Man, don't you? I, I think that we, one know, to but we did it. We did it. Most anticipated movie 2022. We'll do two each. Okay. Now this, I've realized after I wrote this down, but I didn't get time to put in something else and research all of the information and stuff. I, after I put this in as my number two, I realized that I had chosen it as my most as one of my most anticipated movies for 2021, but it got delayed into 2022. So whatever, I'm picking it again. Jurassic World Dominion. Don't wow, know did it get wow, did it really get bumped that much? I didn't realize. Yeah, a whole freaking year. <laughs> a whole freaking year from I think it was either June or July 2021 until June, July uh, 2022. I can't remember which month it is. I should put it in a calendar. Um, look, I mean, you know how I felt about Fallen Kingdom and all of that. <sighs> you know, waste of time. Whatever. It, it's It's been done. But look, what has been set up for this third movie is probably where they should have just started this new franchise, <laughs> this new part of the franchise anyway. Um, this is going to be set four years after the events of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom in which genetically engineered dinosaurs were auctioned to companies around the world while others were released to the US mainland. The story will take place around the world and depicts humans or will depict humans dealing with invasive dinosaur species. We've got Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard back, Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum, Laura Dern, the OGs, they are back. This is going to be like the, the end games of Jurassic Park. Like it's it's all happening. Colin Trevorrow's back as director. So we should at least get that first Jurassic World centered, I guess. Like, I, I don't know. I don't want to knock J.A. Biona too much, but look, dinosaurs, Jurassic World, I'm there for it. Even if it's shit, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I'm there. I mean, I it's please, it's just good. We're like peak nostalgia now, aren't we? Like everybody's coming back. You know, whether it's like like last night, I was watching season four of Cobra Kai. Like, don't get me wrong, loving it. But there's so many examples of that. I've got continuations of film and TV and the actors coming back, but who they're bringing back for this new Jurassic Park film or Jurassic World film, I'm, I'm there for it. It looks great. So on one hand, I'm like, ah, oh, they keep bringing these people back. But on the other hand, oh, but I really want them to. So there we go. <laughs> and I like Jurassic Park and dinosaurs. <laughs> I didn't realise that it was on your list last time. You know, also on your list, Last time, before we knew what was happening with Zack oh, Snyder's yeah, Justice League, I, I most anticipated <laughs> TV. <laughs> oh, hilarious. Okay, so my... They said a six-part uh, TV yeah, event. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my, my number two is The Flash. DC movie. And we're getting a lot of DC <sighs> films <Multiverse>. this year. <laughs> oh, yes, that's it. We're getting oh. Ezra Miller back as The Flash. Michael Keaton as Batman, Ben Affleck as Batman. There's rumours that Michael Shannon will appear as General Zod. 
Oh, I've got Sasha Kali as Supergirl. It just looks and sounds as though it's going to be a very busy film. But I'm <laughs> I'm here. I'm here for it. You know, apparently this film is going to hit the big reset on the DCEU, which would finally shut up the restore the Snyderverse people. That is but we'll have to, then again, <laughs> nothing will stop them. They're relentless. <laughs> but this, uh, yeah, it's a Flash film. I mean, it's adapted from Flashpoint. At one time, that was going to be the name of the film, but now it's just The Flash. And we've had our first trailer. I'm, yeah, I'm a big fan of The Flash anyway, but, and, you know, based on the Joss Whedon, Justice League film, I really didn't like Barry Allen the Flash in that. And I think unfairly blamed Ezra Miller. Seeing him as the Flash in the Snyder Cut, it was one of the best things about that film. Oh, they really turned they, the character around for me. They did him justice. So that is my <laughs> number two. What is your number one? What is beating Jurassic World for you? Um, it is DC. Um, and before wow. I give before I give it all, I just want to say, is it weird that you know, like with all my gripes about multiverse and stuff, but when it comes to DC, I kind of don't mind it. Is that is that weird? Well, I think no, 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 because I think because I mean I'm more DC, you're more Marvel, but we both enjoy Marvel and DC. But I think, and maybe that's why I can let a lot of what's happening with Marvel just wash over me. I'm not as close to it as what you are. And, you know, mm. same for DC with you. I just think like with DC, it's always like whenever they do multiverse, it's always established that it's like there are just different universes with different interpretations of characters and, and stuff like that. So it kind of works. But in, in the MCU, it was kind of established that the multiverse was stemmed from different periods, different things happening in time chain creating different timelines so it's sort of just like well, why is there now a different it doesn't matter we talked about it in yeah it's, i mean dc it, dc have been doing it longer and it started with the flash so it's kind of fitting that that's how it's going to happen in the movies yeah, so as well of, but i think I it was like 1958 when barry allen the flash first met jay garrick the flash and then in 85 dc did the big crisis on the infinite earths Storyline, yeah, like a 12 issue maxi series. So, it, for DC, it seems like it's been around for a lot longer. So, maybe it's easier to digest. Mm -hmm. But you're about to say a yes. DC film, and I'm, no, guessing, I'm guessing it's not Black Adam. <laughs> well, look, I'm, I'm looking forward to Michael Keaton coming back as Batman. But, but this Robert Pattinson Batman movie, The Batman, directed by Matt Reeves. Uh, I'm all I'm all for it. This looks man, this looks like the biggest, craziest, bonkerest. That's not a word. Um, most bonkers Batman film, uh, and potentially the most realistic. Surprisingly, I, I, I mean, in all the interpretations of Batman that we're getting, this once again just seems so different, yet also feels very right fitting, and just it, it seems pretty spot on I'm, I'm really looking forward to it so we're going to get robin patterson as bruce wayne batman alongside zoe kravitz paul dano jeffrey wright john totoro peter starsgaard andy circus and colin farrell as a that's uh, the penguin just as a look and is that really him nobody really knows um this will be set in the second year of 
uh, Batman fighting crime. The film will see Batman uncover corruption in Gotham City, as you know, he usually does, while pursuing the Riddler, who will be played by Dano, a serial killer who targets Gotham's elite. Like the Riddler as a serial killer. Like I'm loving this. The trailers that we've gotten so far, just the look of of what we've seen, the tone, the the almost like the the rustic handmade feel of both the Batsuit, Batmobile, uh, the look of Gotham City. There's so much in in what we've seen so far that's just making this look like potentially the best Batman movie we've ever seen ever. Ever. Maybe. <laughs> we'll find out. But yes, the Batman. Number one. My number one is also the Batman. All right, well done. <laughs> Good stuff. Although... I have my concerns about this take on the Riddler. The serial killer angle is interesting, more to how he looks to be appearing, but I'm not expecting him to have green spandex like Jim Carrey had. But I don't know. Like it's, I've always got a thing where a character is that different from the source material. Why not have it just be a different character? But we've not seen the film, and I'm sure... Matt Reeves will deliver. I mean, this film looks excellent. And you're right in what you're saying. I mean, I guess the closest comparison up until The Batman for a realistic take would have been the Nolan trilogy. But this looks to be taking it even further. The scene, though, where the guy is unloading what looks like a machine gun into Batman's chest. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if Batman could withstand that. But... I'm here for it. Whether it's the Batman on the big screen, the Jim Gordon TV series on HBO Max, you know, the GCPD series, the Penguin TV series with Colin Farrell reprising the role. I'm here for this world. Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman looks phenomenal. Uh, Yeah, it looks brilliant. And yeah, we've got both got it picked as number one. And do you know what? When I watched... The Matrix Resurrections. There we go. I'll mention it again. Ah. <laughs> Before the film, it's the first time I'd seen the trailer for the Batman on the big screen, and it looked incredible. So it's good yeah. to see that they're starting to push the marketing for the film now. For the longest time, it had just been trailers online, a couple of posters. Now they look to be starting to push the marketing because it's like the first Isn't couple of days of March. Yeah, yes. beginning of March. That's when we get it. So we are so close to the Batman. But I do recognise that essentially my top two most anticipated movies are Batman, but that's okay. Well, I think, like, whenever we get into the anticipated, you know, it's... I mean, there's no way that I could pick, you know, like like a, a Last Night in Soho kind of film. I mean, because I don't know until I really watch it. And, you know, I'm not so engraved yeah. in, like, the up-and-comings of, you know, smaller indie sort of directors you know like their projects what are they doing oh that sounds very interesting i like that concept it's like no i'm anticipating the big blockbuster ones and then i just set myself up for disappointment when they're not good and then complain <laughs> but about that it. is a good point though yeah yeah you can <laughs> you can only really anticipate the bigger films that you're that you're aware of yeah for you it's the superhero ones for me it's you know superhero and dinosaurs i mean it's all good man well it's for me though good. i'm like i'm anticipating tv in january it's like days away. I'm anticipating <laughs> films in March. So I really don't have long to wait. 
just don't know what I'm going to do for the rest of the year, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is, there's heaps, there's heaps coming. But there's always something else. Again, I'll point always out, something I'll, else. I'll just point out there's, um, you know, all the Marvel films coming out, you know, in 2022. None of them are on That's my it, top. Doctor Strange. Yeah, but none of yeah. them are on my most anticipated because, you know what, again, I'm, I'm just starting to feel like the MCU doesn't excite me. And I'm, I'm worried. Wow. I'm worried for myself. I, I'm saying it. Wow. I'm, I'm saying it. Shocks me. Mm. Shocks me to hear you <laughs> to hear you say that. Like, but at the same the time, the next movie is, is we, Doctor Strange. We talk the about <sighs> these films and these TV shows. So it does actually line up <laughs> with what you've been saying. I'm consistent. I'm consistent. I've been on a, no, been on a, a down trajectory and. Oh God! I hope they turn it around in 2022. I just gotta say. I mean, I've I've been enjoying it again yeah, outside I mean, of Eternals, I mean, but um, well, you know, you had a good time. <laughs> Everybody no more film of the year. Yes. <laughs> again, everyone. Okay. okay. Yeah. Let's um, let's leave Marvel and close out on some trivia. And it's Fast and Furious Nine based because I felt as though we wouldn't really bring it up, although it's a big film that happened this year. The film was released exactly 20 years after The Fast and Furious. Vin Diesel, Michelle Rodriguez, and Jordana Brewster are the only remaining cast members from the original Fast and the Furious. The 1990s Universal logo was used in the film, but in an updated form, it uses the current Universal music and the Comcast byline, Director Justin Lin has been a fan of the Universal Picture logo since childhood, and he chose this older style one to coincide with the opening late 80s set flashback. There you go. It's F9 based, but I wanted to go back to the old Universal logo and just acknowledging the original cast members nine films later that are still around. I mean, admittedly, Jordana Brewster did miss one or two films, but she's back now, all these years later. 20 years, nine films, and one spin-off. Incredible. So I thought it worth acknowledging what Fast and the Furious has achieved, being fully aware that Neve Rivers would be put in the film <laughs> in many categories. Hey, you didn't know that. Yeah, no, but uh, for sure. You, you, you placed well, it. Well, I kind of think you've not seen it yet, but that's okay. Hey, I'm <laughs> close. I have... I've come a long way. Exactly. This was my Fast and Furious year 2021. Uh, we're up to number eight. Uh, there you go. We'll watch so eight, I... and then we'll I'll rewatch Hobbs and Shaw, which because for some reason I watched that first. <laughs> we'll rewatch that and then F9. F9. I was confident that you'd not seen F9, and I knew I wasn't going to mention it, so I thought. I'll stick it at the end under trivia. There we go. Everything's being covered. And you know what? I do love the uh, the old Universal logo. Makes me think I'm watching Jurassic Park. So that's always a good feeling. (laughs) There you go. You've got it all to look forward to. (laughs) Well, that's it for our year in review 2021. Uh, You might. It's, I mean, it's been a pretty epic year, pretty uh, up and down for the movie industry, but I think we got there and, you know, TV was also pretty fun. <laughs> Some highlights. I feel like we didn't talk about it much TV in general, but um, what more can we say? I mean, it's hard. It's hard because we are more of a film podcast. I mean, we do film reviews, but we do TV news, but it's always going to be 
more about film for us. And it's hard, like even like this episode is probably coming in at about two and a half hours. Like it is not a short episode. It's hard to fit everything in. But you're right, like film, TV. I mean, film especially was like the second half of the year. It really was. was. It got heavy. It got heavy. It did. So I'm looking forward to, hopefully it stays that way, a more even 2022. We need, this this is a 2019 callback, but um, just like Thanos said, you know, balance. We need some balance. I paraphrase, but we need some balance. (laughs) Balance is important. That's it. Well, please go subscribe and download this podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Good Pods. And please leave us a review. It helps listeners just like you find the podcast. We're on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as That Film Street Podcast. And we also have our companion shows, Rewind and Review, and Sounds Like Comics, which each have their own Facebook pages. Thank you all for sticking with us through another year. We look forward to bringing you more content, reviews, news, and all the good stuff in 2022. You've been listening to Luke and Jason, the guys from that film, Stu. See you soon. Bye.